Have you ever wondered how to make sense out of your messy life or how to live in peace in the middle of a stressful world? My name is Jamie Norton, and I want to welcome you to the Making Peace and Beyond podcast, where we talk about life struggles and how to live in the peace, joy, and freedom that Christ died to give us. I'm so glad you've joined us today because I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Marianne Foote. Marianne and I have been friends for 20 years, but have worked together for all of those years. She uh, leads the codependency group in our Keys to Recovery program and has worked with me in Making Peace and Beyond for for so many years and just has a lot of wisdom. And so today we're going to talk about a very misunderstood term, uh, codependency. But first, Marianne, would you like to just check in and say hello? Hello, everybody. And I'm glad to be talking with you here today, Jamie, and just honored to be here. Well, it's just an honor to have you here. Thank you. So one of the things we talk about a lot is that the word codependency, it's, it's an interesting history for the word. Um, it started out as co-alcoholic in the 70s, 1970s, which uh, you don't remember, but I do. And, I do remember some, <laughs> I have to say. It was, but... Um, but it really was referring to, we used to say, you know, the, the alcoholic is addicted to alcohol and the codependent is addicted to the alcoholic. And it kind of does feel like that, but it doesn't really have to do with relationship. Codependency is just you, having your identity dependent on something outside yourself. Uh, it may be a relationship. It may be a job. It may be uh, a certain kind of behavioral possessions that you have. But it's when your identity is not grounded in yourself. Um, and often, it's the person that we make up that we would like to be, not the person that we actually are. So uh, it does come out in relationship because we can be anybody we want to be as long as we're by ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it just becomes magnified in relationships, like you said, with with family, with coworkers, with friends, and I mean, it just it gets larger than life. At least that's been my experience, whether I knew it or not. It is just larger than life in that um, how you said it's it's how I manage how you see me. But it's also me managing how I see you because, um, I don't know, we were talking earlier and I mentioned that um, it comes out in, in how I see myself loving you also, whether it be a family member or a good friend or a spouse or whatever, that um, in my own experience, I had a, a, a relative live with me and I just thought I knew better, and I knew what, what they should do, what kind of job they should get for where they were in life, you know, all kinds of things. And I saw myself as loving them. But really, I was trying to control their world and make my world feel better or erase mistakes that I made before. But it, it was shocking to me when it was revealed that it was... I saw it as through the eyes of love. 
Exactly. I think sometimes when we grow up in uh, dysfunction or we live in a dysfunctional relationship, love and control get very mixed up with each other. So when I'm trying to control you, certainly because I think I know what's best for you, <laughs> you know, and also because I'm trying to make you see my image the way I want it to be seen and not to challenge my world. I want my world to operate the way I see it, not the way it is actually going to do, but it's very hard to um, to really see that what I see as loving you is actually trying to manipulate you to be who I wish you were and to make you see me as I wish to be seen. We talk about sometimes how love and control are exact opposites of each other. God loves us with a perfect love, and He gives us a perfect plan, and we are a hot mess because He leaves us free will. And we have choice, and he will not—God is a gentleman. He won't try to force us to do his will, but he loves us perfectly. And and yet we think our human love is the supreme. And something that I've noticed lately— is that people who grow up with that kind of love is control because I love you, I get to control you, begin to really push love away because when someone tries to love them, they see it as trying to control them. I remember a young man who uh, was so hyper-reactive to anyone controlling him that when if you said to him, are you going to the store, he thought, you're just trying to control me. Oh, wow. You know? gets really confusing in there. And very intense. It's interesting that you use the word um, manipulation a few minutes ago because that, that word crossed my mind, too, when you were talking. Um, just because, like, when, when, I'm, when I was living into my codependency, I didn't see myself as being a manipulator. But on this side of it, I've come to learn that whether I was quiet or whether I was making a fuss, I was manipulating my world and your world to control that, to like manage my, my own emotions or anxiety or what I thought didn't seem right. That like I saw myself most times as being the quiet manipulator of my world. I remember you being that way. (laughs) I I had a feeling you might remember me being that way. And just like some people in my my world are the more controlling codependents, and they they might not know that they're codependent, but just after, like like you said, 20-ish years of learning about codependency and, and my own healing and recovery in those years, um, I've come to learn that, that a lot of the people in my world are also codependent, whether they know it or not, but it's not for me to judge or tell them that. But just observing the patterns in, in my close world, um, a lot of us are peacemakers. A lot of us are... Um, fixers, like if somebody's having a problem, I want to help you fix that. And it comes off as kind and and advisory. But if I step back, sometimes I am called to advise somebody or to, to help somebody in, in a situation. 
But if my motive is I want you to see me as your hero or whatever, am I manipulating you even when it seems right? But then also, like, overt control can happen too. And, and just putting conditions on people and, you know, saying, trust me, I have the best advice, like... It can come off as so encouraging. Yeah, I think one of the things with adults is adults don't like to be treated as children, don't like to be told what to do. And often when we go in to somebody's life uninvited and we give uninvited yes. opinions of things, uninvited advice, then they really don't appreciate that. You no, know, they I, don't. It, it is, <laughs> not it is. at all. And, and and if I bake you two apple pies and you're not totally grateful and you don't do what I want you to, then 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 I get upset. Well, I didn't I baked those pies to get you to see me in a certain way and when you didn't, then I'm gonna get angry because that is a subtle manipulation of your behavior. So it really is very uh, there's a fine line between actually loving and caring and being controlling. Yes. And I, like you, did not ever see myself as controlling. In fact, nope. I'm one of the most controlling people I know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was, it was, it, I remember the first workshop I ever went to, which was in 1978. And I thought I had done so well and been so open. And it was on, it was the first place, uh, it was at Johnson Institute in Minnesota. And it was the first place that dysfunctional stuff was being talked about, dysfunctional family stuff was being talked about. And I thought I had been so open and so so good and so humble, and I left. And they gave us these this, these sheets that we couldn't read until we were out of there. And every one of them was like, I hope one day you'll let us in. I hope one day you'll give up control. I hope one, I'm like, you know, what are oh, you talking man. about? But it is... It is such a it is a subtle thing and and I think it's so subtle because most of the time that false self that we create that imposter is a person that we created in order to survive yes it, we we created that person in order to be be accepted uh, even be applauded be encouraged uh, we we created a person that we felt would be safer and it, and, and it was created so young that we don't even know that it's an imposter. We right. learn not to share our needs. We, it, it's very frightening in, uh, in codependency recovery to receive, to allow yourself yeah, to be vulnerable. Yeah, that's hard. That's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, you, to be vulnerable enough to really allow someone to give to you. Yes. Because that might show you're not perfect. It might show you have a need, you know, and... Or to set a limit. You feel guilty if you say no. So people don't set limits. And they just, you know, so they do this all or nothing. They pour themselves into something and then disappear because there's no boundary there. So just the human being things of showing your, showing your, your fear, showing your uh, neediness, showing your um, anger sometimes is, I, I took me years to show anger. I, I would just disappear. Yeah, I would say the same for me. Like, that was not just something I wanted to be because in my image of myself, you don't get angry. You shouldn't get angry. Nice girls don't do that. Nice girls don't get angry, you know? And, but that. Like big boys don't cry. <laughs> right? Like, all these things we believe that are not 
not true of how we need to live into being a full human being. Right. I think it's it's breaking those rules, breaking those early beliefs. So many of us are so constrained and, and incarcerated in beliefs that are, are are just lies. Big boys do cry and, and good girls do get angry. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, one thing that I was thinking, too, is that you mentioned survival, like we learn how to survive. Um, some of us come from more dysfunctional, less dysfunctional families, and like that's how a lot of us learn learn to be codependent. And I pass on that survival instinct or habits or mindset to other people, not intentionally, but unintentionally for the most part. Um, and that does not serve me or others well in that... Um, it just doesn't equip my, it doesn't equip people to to live their free will out um, when i had a, a relative live with me the the one that i just talked about um, and just trying to control their world well it was a shock to me when it was pointed out that part of my codependency coming out and I dare say other people, is I'm not letting people feel the consequence of their own choices. And I was just blown away by that concept that my love for them, my wanting to help them was preventing them from... Actually from, damaging them. And damaging them. handicapping that, them. And yeah. I think I want to just play with that a minute because I think one of the things we're seeing now instead of the... the, the helicopter bulldozer parent thing is is not allowing our children to experience the pain and suffering and struggle necessary to equip them to live in the world. I tell people sometimes your job as a parent is to teach your children to live in a world that does not care about you without them. <laughs> you know, and that's heavy, but it that's is. so, in a nutshell, so true of life. Exactly. But uh, uh, going back to your point, we don't really know that our normal is abnormal. Right. I mean, because it's all we've ever known. And it's not going to be, I, t I speak sometimes of, we learn a language of survival. It's like learning a language of German. If you grow up in, in that household, you speak the language of the household. And it's not something you question it's just something that you do right and right. so when you when you begin to realize that 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 language doesn't work in the outside world it doesn't take care of you it doesn't get you where you want to go it exhausts you you feel f stressed all the time and afraid because it's it's like you're trying to operate out of this box that doesn't fit your life and 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 so learning a different language has to be intentional but it also does take uh, a lot of time. I mean, it's not like we're going to learn the language of love that God offers us overnight. I think one of the things that is so hard to do is to ground your identity in in, in, in the only place that is solid. You know, I mean, it, it's it's like only the Creator knows who we were created Absolutely. to be. Absolutely. And so to be able to ground our identity in Christ says that I get my security from Christ. I get my 
uh, value and significance from Christ. I am a beloved child created in His image. I have meaning and purpose, and I have access to the fruit of the Spirit. I have love and peace and joy and goodness and patience and kindness and loyalty and self-control at my fingertips because He's given those to me, and that's what He wants me to have and distribute to the people that He brings into my path. But what that does is it says when I walk into a room, I'm not looking to you to find out who I am. I'm not looking to you to define who I am. And even if you say nasty things to me, you're just another creature who doesn't know who you are. <laughs> you know, I yep. mean, it's like I mean, you're not somebody who's got the power to define who I am because I already know. So I'm walking in more as an ambassador than a person who's seeking my identity from my situation, my identity from my experience, or my identity from the people that are in my life. And that's a strength that sometimes causes anxiety in other people because people who need to have power and control often get upset if you know who you are. (laughs) Or if you know who you are or are becoming who our creator created me individually, you individually to be, um, I discovered in like healing from my own codependency when I started changing those things and walking into like the room that you said and being different and not looking for that familiar, people around me didn't like that. No. <laughs> people didn't like that. And I think that was a shock at first, but it also told me that yeah, you're being different, and that's what that's what I think God ch- called me to mm-hmm. is to be different, but had to show me first, you know, that the way I was dealing with people or the way I felt about myself, how I would react to coworkers or situations and things that were said to me, like I think those had to bother me enough to like come to the end of myself and say, I can't live like this anymore, so that I could move out of that and be comfortable with other people, like, I don't want to say not liking me, but just being like, whoa, she she never used to do that before. Oh, I got that a lot. And they try to push you back. <laughs> yes. You didn't used to be like that. You yes. didn't used to be like yes. that. It's really funny. But you know, Jesus was perfectly not codependent. <laughs> I mean, Amen, he, and he thank you for that. And we see what happened. I mean, often it really. But I think I think there is uh, such a joy in relationships where we can be. Today I can have needs. Tomorrow you can have needs. I can say no to you and not think, oh my goodness, she's not going to like me anymore. You know, um, I don't have to feel guilty when I when I when I say no to something, or when I. Uh, have other friendships, or yep. uh, would I disappoint? You know, people who have a, a, a when you're vulnerable and authentic in relationship is you know we're not each other's savior. Right. You know, somebody, uh, no one on earth is my savior. You know, and 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 no one else is responsible for me. My choices, but me as an adult. So if I use you as an excuse, which I often do in my codependency, you know, say, <laughs> say you're yelling at me and I choose to yell back at you, 
that's my codependency right. acting up. Right. Because I'm going to blame you. You made me do it. Well, no, you didn't. I chose to yell at you because you yelled at me. You know, and I don't. That's a choice that I have to take responsibility for because until I do, I can't change it. Right. And even on that note, I don't even need another person to engage that codependency, codependent thinking in my brain. Um, a few minutes ago, you mentioned neediness. Like, that's still, like, one of my areas. <laughs> like, I'm just like, okay, I have a need. Um, the, just the fear of getting it out or talking about it or even admitting to myself that I have that need. But it's like you hate this neediness in you, but I have to get over that. It, 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 it's so interesting how... Um, our neediness requires our vulnerability, but asking for what you need is is a foreign concept sometimes yes. because our codependent self says, I can handle it. I can figure it out. I can handle this. I don't have to worry about it. That was my badge, self-sufficiency. <laughs> yes. self I'm going to be the one-person army. Absolutely. <laughs> and a one-person army can protect anything, including itself. You yep. know? I mean, it's so. so it's that idea that we are born for relationship, uh, authentic relationship, just human relationship. And, you know, we've gotten into such an image management culture, you know, and, and certainly social media has not helped that. I love social media, but I will tell you, as a counselor, you know, the people I see on social media, on Facebook sometimes, are not the people I see in my office. You know, <laughs> totally two different people. <laughs> it's like a whole different world, you know. Because we do. We, when I was growing up, people would say, I have to put on my face before I go out. Women would always say, I have to put on my face before I go out. And that's what codependency is. We put on our face. Yep. It's the performance we have in a world. But the saddest part is that the person, the needy, vulnerable, limited, often wounded child inside is alone, is longing for a relationship, is desperate to be loved, but won't let anybody in to do that. And so uh, the feeling of always not being enough, of always being on the verge of of falling apart, of, of not being good enough, of being uh, having nobody out there. It's like it doesn't matter how much I try to love someone. If the door is closed between me and them, they can't see that. They can't experience right. that. They can't feel that. And allowing ourselves to be loved, allowing ourselves to to do all of the things that, that can happen if we give up this silly performance that we're doing, then uh, is really uh, such a huge gift. It is a gift, and it, it like makes me realize that we want to be, as codependents, I just want to be a giver. But I think human beings, I've learned, are, need to be givers and receivers. And if I only want to be a giver... <clears throat> And everybody around me only wants to be a giver. Who's going to receive what I have to give? Well, I think if if you have if I have to always be a giver, then the only people that I'm going to have relationships with are going to be people who are willing to be the takers. Right. And then when I do have a need, they aren't going to be there for me because they don't know how to do that. The other thing is that people, again, do not like 
what makes us feel comfortable in relationship, makes what makes us feel worthwhile is to know that we have something worthwhile to offer. Right. That we have something to bring into the something valuable to give the relationship. And when I'm not allowed to give my gift, then I don't feel any worth in that relationship. We talk a lot about self-esteem, and self-esteem comes from being able to use the gifts that we have to be able to contribute to our world, to be able to uh, have some validity. It does not come from being given everything. It comes from contributing. I tell people sometimes, which I did not do. I was not the, the mother that I wish I had been, but... You know, children need to learn right away you have to contribute to the community that you're born into. Right. You are not here to be entertained. You're not here to be given everything. You have to also contribute. And and and, and that builds strength and, and, and self-worth in a way that you can't do it otherwise. Yeah, and that just reminds me of, like, that's a natural human boundary that we have. Like, we come with that, being a human being. And people that are codependent, including myself, that word that we codependents might love to hate or hate to love is boundaries. <laughs> like, we probably can't talk about codependency without talking about boundaries, including that, like you said, that natural that comes with just being a human being, but that I don't like because a human being comes with having needs and needing to to be known. But when I, like you said, when I hide those things and don't show myself, um, I'm not doing myself any favors. Mm -hmm. Just need to be perfect when we're really perfectly imperfect. Right. But we're I like perfectly that. ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Perfectly imperfect. I, I like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, perfectly Jamie, and you're perfectly Mary Ann. You know, Flaws and, and all, right? And 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 our perfect person shows our imperfections. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. We're all a piece of, we we talk about progress and not perfection. You know, when, when God is done molding us into his image, he will beam us up to be with him. It's, yeah, it took me so long to be okay with progress, not perfection. Because I I I think a lot of codependent people have this track running in their head, you know, about what it looks like to be perfect and like what it looks like for somebody else to be perfect too, you know, and that we want to live out, but yeah, that track has to stop. We have we have fantasies. Anyway, do you have anything else you would like to add to the table? I think we've hit on a whole lot. <laughs> I think we have food for thought, <laughs> even food for thought for myself for yeah. for continuing on the the Well, I just want you to know how much I treasure the work we've done together and the friendship that we have. It's been and amazing it and an honor. It's been really, really rewarding for both of us, I think, to, yes. to, to do that. And if, uh, if you have enjoyed this podcast, we would just encourage you to comment. We would encourage you to uh, visit our other social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok. And please make comments or reply we just appreciate your being here and God bless. <laughs>